You're listening to the Trekmate Family Network. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Trekmate podcast. Its continuing mission to entertain, enlighten, educate, and talk all things Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack all hands battle stations. Don't worry, we will get to the bottom of this. All right. Ask is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello and welcome to Trekmate. Live. My name's Wayne Emery. My name's Mark Stamper. And I'm Matt Warwick. Well, this is brand new. This is a bit of a different experience, so we're broadcasting this live via YouTube, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll be listening along and, and watching along with us uh, as we're doing this. Yeah, no, this is... Uh, it, we decided uh, we was going to come back and with something very, like, very different from what we've done previously, because I know uh, not everybody might not be following us on Twitter or... Um, uh, like via one of the multiple uh, means. So if you've just tuned into the podcast and wondering what we're going on about, uh, obviously you've noticed that we've been on hiatus for a little while. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we wanted to do something fresh, and we wanted to rejuvenate the pod a little bit as well. So each week when we record, it might not be the same day or exactly the same time, but we'll if you follow us on Twitter, we'll keep you up to date. Yeah, um, and we'll we'll post it on the forum as well. Yes, on the forum as well, of course. Sorry, uh, and we will uh, be broadcasting on our YouTube channel uh, live each week when we record the podcast, and then once the podcast is done and dusted uh, on the Sunday following, we will be uploading the uh, edited video uh, of the podcast, as well as uploading the traditional podcast if you want to listen uh, when you're out and about rather than sitting in front of your screen looking at our ugly mugs all day. Speak for yourself. So, <laughs> this much is true, this much is true. So I've got, I got um, a high-def video camera especially. <laughs> I know you did as well, mate. Yeah. I went for the lowest grade I could, especially. <laughs> Don't want no high def around here. <laughs> so, yeah, no. It, and what we're going to be doing is uh, our podcast time-wise is going to be reduced down quite a bit. We're going to um, try something uh, different. We're going to cut out all of the sections and have it as just one big track chat and uh, we're going to aim that the podcast is going to be no longer than about 50 minutes 
uh, long. Uh, so when it hits that sort of mark, we're going to call it a day, put a nail in it, and maybe come back to some of the points that might be left. And also this way, it just keeps it nice, keeps it tidy, but it means that we can do it weekly. Which is, I know, something that a lot of people uh, do miss. And uh, with us being live on YouTube, uh, we'll also be looking at people's comments. And uh, with whatever we're talking about, if you want to pipe in with uh, your own thoughts, then we'll uh, like go through that as well as we're recording the pod. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Paul likes my T-shirt. Thanks, Paul. It's my, um, for anyone watching, it's my uh, Tesco special T-shirt, eight quid. Bargain. Yeah, so I'll show mine off as well, as soon as we've got viewers now. There we go. There's mine. It's the Enterprise flying through space, for anyone who's not watching. That's sweet. And uh, that's the thing, I, I won't feel left out, but mine is very self-promotionary. Anyway, it's just my uh, Trekmate T-shirt. Yeah. Has it got the? Is it? Have you got your name on the back as well? Because I seem to remember that from Star Trek. I have got. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've got uh, mine on the yeah. back, although it's out of date because it uh, says supplemental on the back. But uh, yeah, I do. I do have one of those. Yes. No, I have to get some new ones when Star Trek London rolls around. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so. Can I jump in and say something as well? Yes. By uh, course. I've been upgraded, it seems. So thank yes. You yes. Well, I was yeah, going to yeah. say I was going to say we should probably get on to uh, a little bit of news since we haven't done anything for a while. So yes, Matt is now a full-time co-host of the Checkmate podcast. So welcome, Matt. It's about time. Thank you very much. Well, the thing is, since we're going down to just 50 minutes, and if you broadcast music live on Google Hangouts, you kind of get kicked off. Um, we've decided that uh, Trek Tracks wasn't going to work, and we didn't want to lose Matt whatsoever, so it makes perfect sense to uh, give you a full-time co-host position. Oh, typey-typey, Mark. <laughs> Sorry, I was typing a comment to uh, Mares. <laughs> I know that's the thing. You always told Drinkwater off for it. I know it's my my mic because I'm not using the headset. I'm using my um. Actually, I'll, I'll show. I'll get it out. See, I've got a camera. Um, well, don't I'm, get it, Mark. So <laughs> I, I do have trousers on. So because I've got this, it's very very sensitive and picks up everything. It's it's harder to um, cover the typing. I'll try and be quiet. No, that's that's the thing, but. We can address people vocally. Yes, true. Yes, Very I forgot true. about that. <laughs> but that's the thing. So, um, yeah, no, it'll be great to have anybody, because obviously uh, we didn't announce this on a previous pod or anything. We wasn't expecting big numbers to uh, turn up to uh, watch us live. But since, uh, like, the, if you're listening via the podcast now, just keep a lookout on... Uh, Twitter and Facebook and the forums, and uh, join us at some point in the future. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be really cool to uh, get some live feedback from people. Yeah, no, definitely. So what so, have you been up to then, Wayne? Busy. Well, that's the thing. Since we last uh, spoke, I've been... It's very much family stuff. It's been just looking after the kids, uh, helping the wife out, uh, as much as I can, and uh, sort of. Well, we've just started applying for 
school placements for Amy for next year. Mm. And uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, ripping of DVDs. <laughs> so my Apple TV is now looking most impressive. I bet it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but other, other than that, uh, not too much, just work, normal, normal, monotonous stuff. What about yourself? Well, I've been busy. I started a new podcast. That you have, and I've been I listening. Have. I've been really enjoying it. Oh, thank you. So, uh, for those who haven't listened, and you should have done, um, I'm I put together a new podcast, which is called Two to Beam Up, which is a Star Trek original series episode review podcast, which I am doing with my wife Kirsty. And we've <laughs> just—I think it was episode five—we launched. Recently, I think, or was it six? Yes, it, it, no, I think it was five because yeah, I've listened five. up to episode four. Yeah, so that's that's gone down really well so far. People seem to enjoy it. It's um, a little bit different in that obviously we've got a husband and wife team, and Kirsty's a newbie to the original series. She was always convinced that she didn't like it, even though she'd never seen it. And so far, she's been, for the most part, quite surprised at how much she's been enjoying it. Other than Mud's Women, of course, which is just terrible. You can't really blame her. You can't no. hold nothing against her for that. No, 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 I've been telling her, no, it's fine, it's fine. We've got some really good episodes coming up in season one. We've got Arena coming up. We've got Galileo 7. We've got City on the Edge of Forever. We've got loads of brilliant um, episodes. Taste of Armageddon. I really like that. Yeah. No, so really and you've got some decent up. iTunes reviews mm. coming through. So, no, it's been going really well. Yeah, it has, absolutely. Saying that, I don't think we've had any iTunes reviews lately, so now that we're back to uh, full activity, uh, by all means, jump across and give us an iTunes review. Yes, that would be brilliant, yeah. They really do uh, help podcasts out. Yeah, not if it's below four, though. No, oh, <laughs> five only. Yeah, exactly. What about yourself, Matt? You been keeping well? Uh, I've been fine. Sorry, I was distracted. Anyone watching the video might have just seen a glimpse of my dad walking into the room, realising yeah. I was in a video conference and then walking out again. <laughs> that was quite funny. Um, I've been alright. I, I was. I've been off work this week, so um, I've been playing GTA Five on the older Xbox, ah, which is nice. good fun. Um, and other than that, nothing at all has been happening for me. I had a date which didn't go very well, so oh. let's, let's gloss over. Oh. That. Well, it, it went all right. It's just not gonna. There's not gonna be any more. Let's just ah, put it like that. No, so. Okay. But that's well, what that is all about, right. isn't it? Well, yeah. You know, you've got to try these things out, I suppose, haven't you? That's the thing. You, you've got to throw your line out so many times before you get a bite. <laughs> well put. Yeah. That's quite an image. <laughs> oh dear, I wasn't going for that line of. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so our main topic uh, this week, well, talking point rather, is going to be uh, on like one-off characters. Yep. So we're going to be uh, discussing characters that have appeared on Star Trek either like once or in a double bill, uh, and really like discuss who our favourites are, what sort of impacts they've left. Uh, and just how they really it, like affected the Star Trek universe as a whole. Um, if anybody has got any uh, anything that they want to pipe in with, by all means, whack it in the chat box. We'll discuss that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, Matt, for, uh, for yourself, when I first sent across the topic for this week, uh, what characters first came to your mind? 
Well, I, I did make a little list, and all mine were all TNG-based, which is not really surprising, um, considering that's my favourite series. Um, the, the first one that jumped out at me um, mm. was a character uh, who was Dr. Salar. Um, yes. she, just, she just turned up once, you know, obviously Susie Plaxon, who went on to play yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Alexander's mother, and I can't even yeah. remember her name now. Uh, Kayla. Kayla, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was, Dr. Salah was in the uh, Schizoid the, Man. Schizoid Man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And she's mentioned quite a lot. You do hear her name, but you only ever see her the once, don't you? Yeah, I think they they liked her as an actress so much they thought, okay, we need to give her a bit more of a beefier role. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I like yeah. Dr. Salah. She was cool. Yeah. One of the few times that you saw uh, a Vulcan. Very much so, and also I think when we're discussing the, when we're discussing this topic, it's we're going to have far more TNG characters, I think, because it was such an episodic show that still had a lot of uh, continuity where the universe is concerned. Where like Deep Space Nine was very much more uh, packed full of episodes that had. Uh, like just stable uh, ensemble of background characters. So, uh, but yeah, no. For me personally, as soon as I thought this, uh, I thought Jellico. Mm. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Because Jellico came in uh, for probably one of the best known two partners uh, out of the run of TNG, and uh, he's. Uh, he really tested every single one of the characters. Uh, it, like he pushed them, pushed them a lot, and it was a question of where I think he made Riker really like reconsider his position, as well as obviously putting Troy in a jumpsuit. Yeah, that was one of the things he did do, and. Um... From that point on, then Troy Troy always wore the uniform, and a lot of people say, and it's quite true, it really did change her character, and she she looked good in a uniform. I don't know why they didn't do that sooner. I still don't understand why she wasn't in a uniform all along. But I think that's true for a lot of the characters, uh, female characters that aren't in uniform, because uh, it, it was the same for Seven. She didn't need to be in them skin tight uniforms. She looked far better in a Starfleet uniform. Mm. And, yeah, no, it just made no sense that uh, Deanna would have been uh, serving on a flagship, especially under, especially with Picard being so much of a tight arse as he was in the first season and getting away with just wearing civvies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Mark, what about yourself? Well, I've... Um... I've actually got a couple of TOS ones here since I'm on a bit of a, a TOS thing at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and characters who stood out for me, one of them is Trelane, the squire of Gothos, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought I thought he was such a he's such a, a fun character and um, as many people have said, he is Q like. And in fact I think there is a book, I think it's written by Peter David where uh, I've got it, hang on. Oh, Matt's got the book, he's just gonna go and get it out like I'll get over my cupboard look, uh, where is it? There I haven't is. read it, but I've heard it's quite good and that's where Trelane actually is uh, a child Q. Cool. Q squared. Q squared, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I might have to try and pick that up. So, um, yeah, so he really stood out for me. It was a really good, fun episode, that one. And it just does make me wonder, did Gene go back, you know, to the original series and get get some inspiration from people like Trelane um, for for the character of Q? I think you could... It stands out for me. Yeah, I think it would be a safe bet to say that Trelane was the template for what Q would become. Yeah, definitely. But much more of a spoiled child, though. Definitely. Or you don't think he when was you find a spoiled that out, child? Yeah. Well, you're right. Obviously, it's because he gets kicked one. out, and uh, yeah, they, you know, they do like to um, put a bit of pressure on him to behave, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, it doesn't always manage it, of course, but yeah. But I've got another character as well from TOS, and that is the Halter. From, a dev- from Devil in the Dark. It's the, the silicon-based life yes. form. Yeah, the one that Spock uh, mind melds with. Yeah, on Janus 4. Um, I, I, I really like that episode. It's, it's a, you know, one of my favourites, I think, from season one. It's a, it's a really good episode. And I just think it's a, it's a really interesting character, a really interesting life form. And um, a lot of people you know, are quite fascinated with it. And I believe at the Las Vegas convention last year, there was someone who... They weren't dressed up as a halter, but they'd actually built a, a halter out of foam rubber and they were pulling it around on a little trolley. <laughs> <laughs> they, they put a lot of effort into it as well. So um, I think I, I saw some photos of that somewhere. I might have to try and dig them out and um, put the link in the show notes because it was, it was an amazing costume. But as a, as a character or as an alien, I thought they were really, uh, really quite fascinating. But being silicon-based and being very ancient as well, I think in that episode they were something like, it was tens of thousands of years old, and it, it was the last of its species. One was always left behind to look after the eggs, um, you know, for the next generation of creatures. So an, an interesting, not not a character as such, but just a, a one-off thing that I, I would have liked to have seen more of. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's probably one of, the, like, up there is one of the most used clips that you see in highlight reels as well, with Spock mind-melding. Mm. as well so I always remember seeing that image far more before I even watched the episode just on like when they used to run like highlight adverts yeah uh, it was always one of those yeah yeah and you get that brilliant line from uh, from McCoy as well when he he smooths out the wound he uses a sort of concrete and he says uh, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day yeah Classic McCormack. Not a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Bricklayer. Another one-off character for me uh, that, I, well, I say one-off, her character only actually appeared once, though twice if you include the holodeck, uh, was Dr. Leah Brahms. Yes, and um, in all good things... Well, in a possible future, we find out that Geordie, in fact, married Leah Brahms. It's quite an interesting, yeah. quite an interesting thing. Exactly. Turns out it pays to be a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's hope for me yet. <laughs> Don't worry, that's how I got my one. Just keep nagging until they give in. But it is... Because for me, uh, Leah Brahms obviously 
she first appeared in what was the name of the episode? Booby Trap. Booby Trap. Yeah, it's a yeah, good Booby episode Trap. actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, very good episode, but it just turned into what everybody would have used the holodeck for anyway. <laughs> oh, we're getting we're gonna get start getting into that whole argument about how they clean the holodeck up. After oh no, 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 we're not no, gonna no, go there. No, that. no, no. That's simple because the holodeck uh, creates matter, so surely it just picks anything anything up anyway. Yeah, I'm not. No, let's yeah. let's not go there. <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on from that one. But I like the fact that it made her such a likable character, and then she turned out to be a real bitch in real life. Yeah, yeah, really didn't get along, and uh, he was. I remember Geordie getting all excited because she was going to come on board, and, he, and when she actually arrived, she was one of the first things she said to him. She was just a, a total bitch to him, really, wasn't she? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is fair considering how he treats most of his staff. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't always the biggest Geordie fan. No, he's fine to his mates. Anyone that's below him, he, uh, he they are very much below him. Yeah. He he doesn't personalise with his with his subordinates much because he's always in the gym practicing his barrel rolls. That's what it is. Yeah. So yeah, underneath those containment doors. Yeah, I I watched the best of both worlds on Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Um, and yeah, that scene where where the doors come down, engineer, he does that barrel roll under. It's just ridiculous. There was no need. He could have practically walked under it, <laughs> yeah. but no. He just stood there and waited for them to drop a little bit so he could just roll under it. It was just daft. Really, really silly. Uh -huh. Well, uh, Matt, what would uh, your second character? Uh, the next one I write down is he, he again. He turned up twice, but both episodes quite close to each other. Was um, Commander Remick. Ah yes, yeah, good one. Obviously, he played a big role in um, the uh, first episode. What was the first episode he appeared in? Um, the one where they thought there was a conspiracy, but they couldn't. They were questioning everyone. Um, it was uh, coming of age. Coming yes. of age. That's it. Yeah, the the. Yeah, I think that's the A plot, and the B plot is where Wesley goes to... Yeah, he's doing his Starfleet entrance yeah, exam. Yeah, Starfleet entrance exam. We have the first appearance of a Benzite. Yes, yeah. and he ends up being really racist and assuming that they all look the same later on in the series. <laughs> yeah. Well, they we've do. Had, yeah. Yeah, we've had a suggestion, actually, from uh, from Jason out there in YouTube land, and he says, uh, Kivas Fajo from The Most Toys. I really like that episode. It's a really, really good data episode. He's the guy who collects all of the rare objects and he steals data. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. He gets excited after the bubblegum smell of the baseball card, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and he's got things like uh, he's got the Mona Lisa and he's got uh, the Starry Night by Vincent van Gogh. Anything that's rare or, or unique. Um, yeah, no, it's a good one. He's a sort of almost like a space Dell Boy character, isn't he? Yeah. Do you know that um, uh, Saul, well you probably do know this, but Saul Rubinek who played him was obviously not the first choice to play Kibas Fajo. I don't oh, know really? if, oh, if you know that. No, yeah. and it, it was actually filmed and uh, there were parts of the episode were filmed with David Rappaport as him, but he um, oh, right. committed suicide okay. during the filming so they had to recast the uh, part. Oh, 
Yeah, that's a real shame because uh, yeah, I like David Rappaport. Yeah. He would have been but, a really uh, interesting choice. Yeah, there's a picture of him on the Memory Alpha page. If you scroll to the bottom of him in full makeup, because uh, oh, they they actually gave him a proper prosthetic uh, face as well. But uh, saw Rubinek good friends with Brent Spiner, I believe. So I think that's how he ended up getting the, uh, the role. Helps to be mates with the uh, second biggest player in the show. Says it was uh, Tim Bond, the director. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so Rubinek obviously is in Warehouse 13, and Brent Spiner has quite a big role in that in the fourth season as well. So I thought that might have been a link, but obviously not. Yeah. Oh yeah, look, look uh, at that picture of Rappaport. Wow. Mm. Everyone go onto Memory Alpha and uh, do a search for Kivas Farja near the bottom. You will. Wow, that that is different, isn't it? Wearing a very sort of TOS style costume there as well, the sort of purple and red sort of stripes. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, that's really cool. That is really cool. I have got another alien race that I'd like to bring up, and I was always always disappointed we never saw more of them. The Binars. Yeah. Now, I have a problem with the Binars. Okay. They they've only got four possible names. Well, if they've got What's yeah, about? <laughs> well, one's called one zero and one's called zero one. They must be the most common names in the binary language, mustn't they? You got one zero zero one zero zero and one one, and that's it. Yeah. Maybe that's a family name. Maybe maybe it's like uh, Smith, and, Smith and Jones. Yeah, maybe it's like the Bajorans. They just use the last name first, so really their first name's like Joe. Joe one one. Joe one one, Joe 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 one zero. But no, I, I really like them. I thought they were, they looked really cool. Um, yeah. They looked they looked very different to most of the other other species. Um, obviously humanoid, but very small and slight, and almost grey alien like. And I just thought it was really cool how they had that little device on them, and they were sort of so linked with the computer on their planet. And really disappointed we never saw them again. They've probably turned up in in books, I'm sure someone can tell us if they have, if they've read any, um, but I was just disappointed we never saw them again. They're not a million miles away from uh, becoming uh, the next Borg species either, I guess. If you, yeah, in a way. If you were to take their dependence on computers to the next logical level, um, mm. they would start to become interconnected and maybe they've been assimilating, that's why we didn't see them. Maybe. Yeah, the Borg would probably be very interested in assimilating them, wouldn't they? Although they're quite small and, and they look quite fragile as well, so I'm not sure they would make... Well, they wouldn't necessarily be warrior drones. No, not tactical drones. They could be the sort of uh, engineers on the ship or make sure the, yeah. the, the computers on the uh, on the cubes were working. Exactly, cleaning the holodecks. <laughs> uh, just to jump back for a second, uh, Sean Green did uh, say that he has a hardback copy of Q Squared if anyone wants it, so uh, give him a shout if you do. <laughs> uh, though also, Mares has made a suggestion of one of the most notable uh, characters uh, that there was, uh, Lieutenant Commander Shelby, or Commander yeah. Shelby rather. Yeah. Yeah, I think she, I, I think I've heard that she does show up in a few of the novels. But yeah, she was really good because, like I said, I just uh, rewatched uh, Best of Both Worlds at the weekend, and 
she was a really, really good character and superbly played as well. And she does turn up at quite a few uh, conventions, I believe, and considering she was only in two episodes, she, she really is a fan favourite. Yeah. I think it, it, she starts out as such a hard-ass, but you, for me anyway, I, you really warm to her by like the second episode. Because, yeah, she's uh, dry-cut, she tells you how it is, but then she's very much... It's because she's gunning for her career and she only wants the best of what's going on uh, within like the community, mm. like within the ship and everything. So uh, she never hesitates to do the right thing. I guess she reminds me of... In, in the way that uh, the character arc is where that they start off as a bit of a hard ass and then you gradually warm to them. I guess she reminds me of Jellico in that in that respect. Whereas it's someone you don't know who's very career focused and it comes in to uh, the you know, the crew we all know and love. Yeah. Yeah, no, very much so. And she's the thing is she's such a competent uh, a competent officer as well. So you can't fault her, really. Mark, what's your next one? I have another one, and I I really like this episode, so it's one of the reasons that I've picked it, but I thought he was an interesting character as well, and that's Tam Elbrun. Do you know the episode I'm talking about? Tin Man? Tin Man, yeah. He was the um, super-powerful Betazoid telepath. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, at the end of that episode, he, he sort of joined with the Tin Man alien... Well, it's a sort of living alien ship, isn't it? Well, it's a creature, but it there were... I believe there were humanoid creatures who used it as a spacecraft, and it it cared for them. You know, it, it needed to have something to join with. It had its purpose in life was to function as the ship for this crew and I know that the two joined in some way and went off together but I would really would like to have seen them again because I thought the Tin Man was a, a really cool creature and even though Tam Elbrun was very much disliked by the crew and he was a real arrogant sod um, I, I actually quite liked him as a character and I would like to have seen him again really really like that episode it's got Romulans in it which is really cool as well um, so yeah I, I would wanted to have seen more of him Yeah, uh, to be honest, it's been so long since I've watched that episode. I need to rewatch it to give a decent answer for you. But I do remember he was like, I just remember not a lot about him. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think the the guy who like was it Harry Harry yeah somebody uh, Grainer. Um, I mean, he does a really good job of conveying the the turmoil that this character is is going mm. through with regards to you know not being able to silence the constant noise in his head, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it, it it he he's completely different to every single Beta Z we've seen up to that point in the series. Mm. Yeah, and just just an interesting character, just someone who is like I said, tormented and. Um, yeah, re- re- really struggles with with his powers. Yeah. Um, what about uh, your next one, Matt? Uh, next one is a character from probably one of the best TNG episodes, which is Commander Bruce Maddox. 
from the measure of a man. Yes. 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 He's mentioned again though in Data's day, isn't he? When Data's yeah. recording logs, but no, you never see him again. No, and he's um you'll have to remind me what the actor's called, but he does a really, really oh, good I job as well. Yeah, he does a superb job. And uh, you must have seen the extended version of that episode. Yeah, on the uh, on the on the season two Blu-ray. Yeah, I haven't got the Blu-rays yet. Oh, the it's fantastic. There's about an extra twenty minutes, and you can tell why those scenes were cut. But it's beautifully done, and it it really does add quite a lot to the episode. Like I say, you can see why they cut it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, really good character. Really, really liked him. Although, although at the time you think, I really hate you. You want to take Data apart, but by the end of it, he sort of redeems himself when he says he's remarkable, rather yeah. than it's remarkable. Yeah, yeah. No, though. To be honest, no, I won't get into that. No, argument. no, no, no. I know what you're <laughs> going to say. <laughs> You two have had this argument plenty of times. We've had this argument too many times. Yeah. Well, on that on that argument, then um, I'm going to just jump in quickly with my last character. And um, I bet it's what I was thinking of. Uh, my last character is Moriarty. Oh no! No, okay. Obviously, that's going on the whole. Is a holodeck character alive? Um, the same as his data alive, but but yeah, I mean, obviously, he turns up in two episodes, and uh, he's he's quite a pivotal pivotal um, character, really. Mm. Makes you completely reevaluate how you look at holodeck holodeck characters. Very much so. He was definitely a precursor for the Doctor, as to find out like uh, like whether you do grant them as sentient beings or whether they're just sentient programs. Uh, but either way, it does open up a, a lot of doors uh, for you to think about, and. It, you you really empathise uh, with him as well. Uh, that's what makes him such a, a great character. Yeah. Is uh, it, it's not his fault that he's been made this intelligent and he's made self-aware. So, uh, like suddenly find out that there's that he he can't exist beyond them doors. Mm. Yeah, but I, I really like at the end how they they put him into that little. The sort of the little cube, don't they? And they just they sort of time up in his own little world, just so he can he he can think that um, he's living his own life in it. Would love to have seen him again. It, it, what would have been nice is it, they should have just put that little cube as just a little background prop. I don't know, like on Data's desk or something. Mm. Yeah, just made it show up. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it's nice when like you see Picard's flute every so often turn up. So it yeah. would have been nice to just see yeah. the box still just hanging around. Yeah, yeah, and you often saw the the tapestry that uh, Picard was given in the uh, Who Watches the Watchers. You would often yes. see that. It even turns up in some of the movies. I think it's in First Contact, and it might be in Insurrection as well. It's on the back of his uh, chair in his quarters or his ready room. Yeah. yeah. No. Just going to uh, some of the YouTube comments. So we've got 10 forward on, so I'm assuming that's Cena. Hello, Cena. Um, she said the binars showed up in uh, the Star Trek Corps of Engineers books. And it showed uh, how one of the pair died and uh, how one of them managed to cope by himself. So that's quite interesting. I knew, they'd turn, I knew they'd turn up somewhere, and if anyone would know where they would turn up, it would be Cena. Yeah, most definitely. 
And Jason has also sent out a link. I actually found this one earlier, so he found the um, the same one as me. Is the top five dumbest one-time Star Trek characters. I was just looking at that. I was just looking at that. And uh, he's already got one that we've already uh, discussed. Kiva Svarjo. I don't yeah. think he was dumb. I, I liked him as a character. Don't, yeah. don't, don't really agree with that. Uh, number four is Captain John Harriman in Star Trek Generations. Slightly incompetent for a captain. Yeah, he was probably promoted a little bit too early. It's um, not his fault. All of his stuff wasn't delivered till Tuesday. Till Tuesday. Yeah. But he didn't know what to do. He just stood there and he's like, uh, 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 and then he just looks at Kirk and he just jumps in, right, do this, do this. You know. But I suppose Kirk's got more experience. So. Though the thing is, if you really think about it, 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 the whole plot falls apart if you think they've just left uh, like space dock and with the greenest captain that there is and the ship's not ready whatsoever yet that ship is the closest to help out yeah. <laughs> yeah. for that crisis yeah sorry we haven't got any weapons we haven't got any of this no sorry the yeah, but there's no other ships in yeah. orbit of Earth. No. It's the same with Star Trek V, isn't it? Where, um, well, it's yeah. Well, I'll briefly touch on it. The bit where um, he has to come on the the ship and the ship's falling apart, and they're going, "Oh, we can't do this without you, Jim. We need Jim Kirk." It's like, well, just give him another starship then. Yeah. There's got to be plenty of other ones around. Yeah. We could just boot someone else out, couldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Especially because William Shatner directed the movie, he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah. True. So next on the list, we've got Com- Commodore Stocker from the Deadly Years. Haven't seen that episode in a, oh, a long time. Uh, that's the episode where they get the advanced aging. Oh, yeah. Kirk, Spock and McCoy. Yeah, uh, yeah so I, I don't remember him. don't remember him at all. Next up, we've got Ambassador Hodin from the Mark of Gideon. Do remember the episode. Um, it just says here he's just a bit of an idiot. I'm I'm thinking that's probably season three because I haven't watched that one yet. I don't think. I'm not sure what season it is. It's a little while out, I think. And the final one is Chief Engineer Sarah McDougall from The Naked Now. One of the fifteen or so Chief Engineers they had in the first uh, season of TNG. I do and remember her. Plenty of one-off characters uh, in the first season of uh, TNG for yeah. engineering-wise. Yeah, they, they have, I said 15. They probably had about three or four. They had her, they had Argyle for a few episodes, and, uh, yeah, someone else. I think in the Arsenal of Freedom there was a there was a third chief engineer. Oh, that was well. Leland T. Lynch, wasn't it? Ah, uh, yes. Yes, I remember the... That was a question ages question. ago, wasn't yeah, it? Was. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I got the episode. couldn't remember his name, but I got the right episode. I quite liked Argyle. I don't know what you guys thought of him. I didn't think he was that bad. Yeah, he was okay. Um, they made they made him Scottish, um, obviously as a homage to Scotty. Um, but of course, the actor got booted off when you know you you know the story yeah. where um, some fans had says, "Oh yeah, we want Argyle back," and the episode hadn't even aired yet, so obviously he put them up to it. Yeah, <laughs> could have at least waited for it to air. Yeah. Though. Um, after touching on uh, artificial characters, uh, one character that I did want to bring up uh, that really touched at the heartstrings uh, was Lal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, that's a fantastic episode. Yeah. It's an absolutely uh, 
beautiful episode in the sense that like you see data go through all of these motions and it, it's heartbreaking in places because you can you can totally see Lal as a sentient being even if you don't necessarily agree that data is you, you can see that Lal has bypass her father's capabilities by far. Yeah, I was wondering where you were going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> the bit that always gets me in that episode is, is at the end where yeah. um, the Admiral walks out the room and he yeah. goes, uh, he'd never stopped. And he yeah. stands where that gets me every single time. Yeah, there's a few bits. His hands were moving faster than I could see, but he just couldn't, he couldn't move fast enough. And the other bit that always gets me with that is where she says, I love you, Father. And he, and he starts, hesitates. he hesitates and almost as if he's going to say it, but then stops and just says, I wish I could feel it with you. And I like to think that Data did feel it, but he didn't understand it, so couldn't articulate it quite right. Though, it's just what I like to think. a feeling? Uh, yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe he was halfway there. Yeah, sentient. <laughs> but it, you, you, you can. It, I don't know if it's just me reading too much into it, but you can almost, you can almost see like a lasting impact on data after Lal. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. We've had one character suggested uh, in the forum. What about the traveller? He was in. Yeah. Three episodes, I believe. So he was in where no man has gone before. He was in Remember Me, and he's in Journey's, Journey's End. End. Journey's End, yeah. Um, a lot of people slate where no man has gone before. I like it as an episode. I thought it was really cool when they, you know, went to distant parts of the universe. Um, and I thought Traveller was quite an interesting character. He shows up and remember me. I don't think he actually needed needed to be there. It would have been better if Wesley had rescued his mother on his own, but it was okay for him to show up. But as a and a lot of people didn't like Journey's End either, but I found the the concept between I'm always one to say I like the concept of an episode, even if it wasn't particularly well executed. Mm. If they do something which I think is interesting, then I tend to like the episode. And I just think you know, you always knew there was something special about Wesley, and just that bit where they're fighting and he just shouts, and then everything pauses and he just walks out, and it's like, wow, that's really, really cool. Because yeah. you know, we'd all want to have those powers, and I probably saw that when I was about, I don't know, seventeen, eighteen, or something. I was just thinking, yeah, that's cool. That would be really, really cool. Yeah, no, definitely, and also. Uh, he rescued Wesley from the abuse that, and neglect of uh, Beverly Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she left him for a year, didn't she? Bless him. Yeah, exactly. What kind of mother does that? <laughs> uh, we've got some more suggestions. It's brilliant having suggestions coming in. Uh, the characters from Lower Decks were good. I mean, that's that's you know a fan favorite episode. Mm. Um, I like it. I don't. I think I probably don't like it as much as everyone else. But it's it's a good, a good solid episode. Um, so Cito Jackson being uh, one of the characters in particular, who I did like. I really, really did like her. Um, so yeah, uh, this sort of hint that she might have been killed. But I do believe 
that she's alive in books, and I'm sure I've seen us listening. She's still there. She'll correct me on that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of quite interesting characters there. No, definitely. And uh, uh, Sean Green's also uh, suggested one that I thought of when you were talking about the Binars was um, the aliens from Conspiracy. Yes. Now those were an alien that I would have loved to have yeah. seen again. Yeah. Well, of course. You do know the story of that, don't you? Uh, I'm sure you've told me before. The, but when they were set up to be the Borg at some point. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. the signal, they were going to return because they'd sent a signal, hadn't they? And they yeah. were going to return probably in Season 2 or Season 3 and they're going to have another sort of invasion going on. But I guess they just thought that's going to be difficult to, to pull that off effects-wise. Um, so, yeah, that's why you never heard from them again and um, they became the Borg. But could you, saying that, you could almost say that they were maybe the influence for the founders because a species that infiltrates uh, your government, your enemies and everything, that, yeah. that's very much an idea that started in conspiracy. Yeah, body snatchers. Yeah, which, to be honest, I find... Just as terrifying as what the uh, Borg originally were, so yeah. I think it, to have seen them fleshed out would have been um, like absolutely brilliant. But you can definitely see aspects of them being used within uh, within the um, Dominion. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Borg, Jason suggested Hugh, and as he says, he appears in three episodes. But I think you can probably discount Descent. <laughs> Yeah, he... Descent Part 1 and 2, they're terrible. I mean, I, I love Borg, um, but I hate those episodes. It didn't really do a lot for the... Uh... It didn't do a lot for anything. It's just awful. Terrible yeah. idea. But I did I did like the iBorg episode, though. I thought Hugh was really cool in that. And also, it's another episode where it really uh, makes people uh, reconsider their... Uh, like the moralities of like whether they were going to use Hugh as a weapon or not. Yeah. And it, I, it, you go. Go for it, Matt. No, no, no go. you go. No, you go. <laughs> I just wish they'd done more with it. You know, where like they they were obviously coming up, going to come up with this plan to destroy the board by sending that mathematical equation or whatever. You know that. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird geometric shape, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that couldn't yeah. be solved, but. You find out the next time you see them, obviously, that the individuality that they gave him only seemed to permeate that one cube, effectively, because you yeah. never see that in any of Voyager. So, presumably, if they'd have sent him back with that weapon, it would only have destroyed one cube anyway. I, I thought that they would have carried on with that idea, but instead they used it in descent and then just threw it away, and the board went to be back exactly as they were before, as if nothing had happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's the way they often do that, and there is that thing you say about it only affected that one cube, so I suppose you could think of the cubes as being more or less self-contained, and then at some point they'll sync up with the rest of the collective, and you know, like a Dropbox sync, and um, yeah, pass that information on. So it might have taken some time to to get there, but yeah, just something they didn't really um, think out too well, like what they did with the Borg in Voyager in general. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think the Borg started strong in Voyager, but then coming towards the end of season four, 
they just became too easy to defeat. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Very much so. So I think we're getting near to the fifty-minute mark. I think we are. I think we are. So shall we remind people uh, how to join us next week, Mark? Yes. So what you can do, you can uh, head on over to our YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash trekmate podcast, I believe. Yeah, you don't yeah, need the user right. part. You oh, can just put youtube.com slash trekmate podcast. Oh, okay. And then it'll take you there. Yeah. So do keep an eye out on our Twitter account at trekmate1701 and keep an eye out on the forum at forum.trekmatefamily.com and we'll announce when we'll do this. It's probably going to be a Thursday because we traditionally do record on a Thursday. Um, but we'll let we'll let people know, and it's likely to be around about this sort of time as well. So, yeah, that's the thing. It, it, if it's starting any later, it's just because either there's been technical difficulties, or I'm getting the kids to bed, or Mark's making a brew. So, <laughs> <laughs> either way, it's normally this day. So, but just keep, as Mark said, just keep an eye on. Uh, the many means that you keep in contact with the show to find out when we're going to go live. Uh, please remember to give us any iTunes reviews to help us keep at the top of the list. Um, also, if you want to follow any of us, uh, Matt, uh, where can they find you? Uh, uh, on Twitter, at QB, QBIE, and on my blog, QB.com. Yeah, and you can uh, tweet us at, at Game. I'm going to try and be more active now that uh, we're back to a weekly schedule. Uh, and Mark, they can find you at the Two To Beam Up podcast? Yes, they can find me at Two To Beam Up, which is the number two, and To Beam Up, or, of course, as me, at Mark Stamper. And I was just showing off my Star Trek mug there for for the people on YouTube. Uh, I'll have to get my Trek mate mug. I, did you guys see the uh, teabag hold my dad made us? No. Uh, you have to tweet a pic. I, uh, I I have put it on Facebook, so I'll have to uh, tweet okay, it I'll out. Have a look. I'll have a look. Yeah, no, it's uh, most impressive, and I'll, I'll have that ready for next week. Now now that we can use props. Yes. Yeah, we can do show and tell, so that's another reason, you see, why you need to come and watch us, because uh, we'll we'll wear cool Star Trek T-shirts. I'll, I will commit to wearing a Star Trek. I haven't got too many Star Trek T-shirts, but I will. I promise I shall wear a Star Trek T-shirt every week, and uh, we'll have some amusing props as well. And I'll probably try and just wash this and wear it next week. We should do things specifically for the video viewers and not mention it on the audio. So I'll hold signs yeah. up with messages for them that only the video viewers can see. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, We'll do that. Sounds like a plan. So, yes, uh, this podcast will be simultaneously getting released uh, on Sundays as uh, on YouTube. As a video, we'll just whack on uh, a nice-looking beginning and end, thanks to uh, yourself, Matt. Yeah, we've got some lovely and, video trailers there. Yeah. And uh, then we'll also simultaneously be putting it up on our uh, podcast feed as well for people to listen to. I want to thank the people that have been tuned in. We've had a stable between 10 to 11 viewers throughout the whole event. Yeah, that was so, really... Uh, yeah, it's really good, especially for the first one to, uh, yeah, to get so many people on. So that's fantastic. Thank you very much, everyone. Yeah, we really appreciate it, and we'll try and fine tune the uh, means of staying, in, like chatting during the pod, because I think 
there, there, there must be uh, more fluid ways. It might be better off just getting people to tweet the TripMate account and then we'll all just keep it open because the problem of having to keep reloading the YouTube page every 30 seconds is quite annoying. Yeah, no, definitely. Like We could almost come up with a hashtag for it for people to use as well. Yeah, well, actually, my, my YouTube page has been updating um, automatically. So That's interesting. No, no, I've, had, I've been having to refresh, but oh, well. So... Yeah, no, so uh, Matt, seeing as uh, this is your first week as a full-time host, you can see us out last. Oh, okay, thank you very much. I feel honoured. <laughs> so, but thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, I've been Wayne Emery. I've been Mark Stamper. I've been Matt Oric, and that's Trekmate. You've been listening to the Trekmate Podcast. Would you like to get a hold of us? Visit trekmate.org.uk and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack. All hands battle station. Don't worry. We will get to the bottom of this. I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. <laughs>